Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and every week we talk about trending topics in the wine world. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. again and welcome to the wonderful world of wine every week mark and i visit with you and bring you trending topics from the world of wine and how are you this week mark i am well kim how are you today i'm great i'm so excited that spring has sprung and we've got some nicer weather and it's been really nice to see all these new wines that are coming out and wine classes that people are posting that have this sort of freshness and lightness to them. So I always love when we get into early April, it always feels so nice. Yeah, it's good to see people becoming more active and Mm -hmm. drinking more springtime wines. The rosés are here. So it's all good news in the wine world. Yeah, that's very exciting. It's always nice when uh, when rosé season sort of starts to hit. Not that I have any problem with the uh, wines that we traditionally drink a little bit more of in the wintertime. And we've been doing some ports this winter, which has been very nice. And I even made my first mulled wine. See, because we were talking so much about it. We were. Honestly, we were talking about mulled wine. And (laughs) we had one weekend we were sitting up by the fire pit and it was going to be cold. And I'm like, ooh mulled wine. And I remember thinking back to those articles that we talked about with spices and fruit and stuff to put in your mulled wines. I'm like, I am totally going to do that. And I did. And it was really nice. You're always exploring, Kim. A little seasonal drinking. Good for you. (laughs) The first article, folks, that we wanted to talk about today is a little bit of current events. And it's also a little bit of sort of this inside baseball kind of thing with wine that sometimes we talk about classes and certifications and these letters that people have have after their name when they have all of these wine certifications. So there are a couple of really big wine organizations for people who are at the pinnacle of their wine career. So people can be a master of wine or a master sommelier. Those are the two really biggies. Those certifications are given by two very different organizations. There's one that is the Court of Master Sommeliers. And I I believe they're an American institution, aren't they? Yep. That's US. US So they're US. And then there is the Institute of Masters of Wine and they are British. So both of these really hold the same level of esteem, I would say, in the industry, whether you're a master of wine or whether you're a master som, you get that kind of certification. But they're fairly different, I think, in terms of who they appeal to and also what you kind of do with that. So I feel like the Masters of Wine is very broad, right? Whether you're, you can be a winemaker, you can be an importer, you can be someone like myself or Mark, who's an educator, maybe you have a fine wine shop, all of these people from different parts of the wine industry, you find those people going for a master of wine. Whereas the master psalms is definitely much more restaurant focused. And it's not just restaurant people, but it's very service focused. So people who are, you know, you do find some distributors in there, but mostly it is restaurant people. And there's been a lot of conversation lately about how are these organizations adjusting to people 
who are getting into the industry who maybe are not that traditional white male European descent person who has traditionally been kind of in charge of the wine industry. So there are a lot more women in both of these organizations, a lot more people of color, but it seems like the Master of Wine group seems to be a little bit more, I think, open. Maybe open's not the right word, but there's been a lot of conversation lately that the Court of Master Sommeliers needs needs to do a little bit more work to be inviting and a little more equitable to people of all genders and colors. You mentioned, Kim, to our listeners here, these are the top education certifications in wine you right. can get. So the court They are of the Ma- tippy top. <laughs> they're the best. And, and they're the best because it's not easy to get. So mm-hmm. the Court of Master Sommeliers, the U.S. base, is really a service-based or a lot of service parts to it. And when you take the test, one whole section of the test, you have to serve people in a restaurant and setting. So it's all about service a lot. And there's only 172 of those people existing. And the Masters of Wine, the UK version, there's only 389 Masters of Wine in the world. So we're talking very select, very limited group of people trained as the. Now they're bringing up Let's look at that in the industry. Who is really having a hard time or being excluded getting these titles? So the Wine Enthusiast magazine, we had this article, was really looking at the bad things about mostly the quarter master swamps, the U.S.-based one. To me, I was reading and I'm thinking, wow, I guess it, it's coming up a lot in this country. There's some issues, right? So it mm-hmm. seems like really it might be an issue with just the U.S. certification. Because looking at the numbers further, of the 172 master psalms in the U.S., only 28 a female. In the UK, of the 389, 149 are masters of wine. So there's 47% women in UK and only like 20% in the US. Mm-hmm. It, that stuck out to me as why. Then they brought up there was a major issue, and they call it a scandal. There was actually a few scandals, but one of them related to just this issue. Yeah, and there have been a few things that have kind of hit the wine wire within the last year of things going on where female candidates for this prestigious honor were being either discriminated against or were being asked for inappropriate favors in exchange for a better score or for, you know, the ability to have access to these levels and being able to take these exams. So there has been a shakeup in the organization over the course of the last, I think it's even just the last six months, bringing these things to Light. And kudos to these people for stepping forward with their stories and saying, hey, this happened to me and this isn't right. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why there are so few female master psalms. Not that the opportunity is not there, but maybe they get there and the environment is so hostile and that, you know, this is a, a reality that women who are going for this position are faced with. And they're just saying, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm, you know, I'm, this is inappropriate. And, you know, instead of bringing the information forward, they just quit because they, they don't want to deal with, with all of that. So I think that that is one big part of it. And also I think there are other factors. These programs are not inexpensive. It's not like a lot of people can just take five years of their life off to study and dedicate a lot of their time and a lot of their resources to putting themselves towards getting these types of certifications. So it's not just the, I think, environment issue. 
but there are also other factors. Do you have the time and do you have the resources to spend on getting these type of, of certifications that take a long time? That's the sad thing about it, Kim, is you have to dedicate so much time to study. the mm -hmm. Years. The, it's the years. Quarter master Psalms exam, I believe it's three parts. It's service, it's theory, it's tasting. And you have to pass each one within so much time. Mm -hmm. And just theory alone, the study time for that is incredible. Yeah, it, I've looked it, into it and it's, yeah, it's, it's right. quite the commitment. And these people, <laughs> and then when they get to the tasting part of the test, they are tasting every day, all the time, trying to hit these things just right. And then before, you, you have to give our listeners a little more background about the Quota Master Psalms. Before the sexual harassment thing started coming up, there was also a big controversy just before it about a big testing scandal. Mm -hmm. where the people were actually working with Master Psalms and they were kind of forward them the answers type of thing. And they discovered a whole ring of things going on with that. So what they did that year is they said, everyone who took the test, you're disqualified, no matter if you cheated in any way or not. So all these people spent all that time, they had to study all over again, right? And then just after that happened, they had this other issue come up. So they've been hit really hard. And I think we have to have on the show, we have a lot of people we know that are going through this process. We have to have someone on to talk about it and how they're looking at it from being someone going through it all. I think it would be a great interview to, to our listeners to hear that. It is, a, I think, a unique experience going through one of these certification programs. You know, it's it really does sort of take over your whole <laughs> <laughs> your whole existence when you're spending all this time studying and really just focusing on all of uh, it's wine, wine all the time. And we like to joke that we, just, you and I, Mark, that we think about wine, you know, all the time. But with the people who are studying for these certifications are at like a completely different level than we are. Yeah. And they're in the, they're working at the same time. So it's not easy yeah. at all. And getting back to the female version, you know, the the problems in the industry, there's been a lot lately trending about bringing attention to women in the wine industry. We've read articles in the past where highlighting women winemakers. So I was wondering, do you think, Kim, that a lot of that's come up recently because of a lot of this other bad things that have been happening, that they're trying to bring more light to the, the good people that are out there? type of thing? Or you just think it's just normal news? I don't, I don't going? know. I think that you, they're, because I honestly really heard much attention towards women and wine, but yeah. there's been such a focus, I think last year and this year to highlight that. And, um, and I'd only noticed it after all the scandal. I think it's a general awareness of groups that have not necessarily been the focus of certain industries. And I don't think it's just our industry. I think it's it's many more industries too. And having just kind of gotten into academia too, we see it, you know, we see it at, at the college level, we see it in all these different professional industries. I think we have kind of reached this point of there's a reckoning in the US that enough people have kind of had it with always being either not taken seriously or not being given the opportunities, even though they are just as qualified, but maybe don't have the resources, like we said, to get to that level. Or once they do, there are these other barriers that if you weren't 
a woman, you wouldn't be dealing with this type of harassment or asking for favors from certain people in order to get a particular grade. Right. So I think that there just has between the Me Too movement and between protests over the summer, I think that there has just been this awareness that a lot of people maybe just weren't paying attention to before. And now that it has been picked up, we just we kind of see it in a lot of different realms. So I think part of it is that I don't know if it's a media thing that the media is now comfortable enough reporting on these things or that there's enough support behind people who are bringing these issues to the forefront that now we're seeing it a little bit more, not because it hadn't happened before, but just because people are feeling like there's more of an opportunity of being taken seriously now if they do bring it up instead of it just getting swept under the rug. So I don't think that it's necessarily something that's new. I think it's just where a lot more of the population is becoming aware of these things that are going on. I know this. I, the court of master psalms is going to have a hard time ever recovering their reputation in the wine world. And mm -hmm. I think the masters of wine is just gone way above now uh, as far as status in the wine education world. I think it's and going to take a while. And I mean, the court of master psalms seems to be trying, but it also seems to be an organization that is very, like a lot of these just, I don't want to call them procedures, but. They totally restructured the people that have been there for years. Right. And they yeah. had so they've like changed that. the board up yeah. and, you know. So they made changes. I would like to see other certifying agencies in the wine world that you know, we attended to put out more information of women, men, you know, little percentages, who's taking these certifications mm -hmm. to maybe draw a light because I recognize when we're in classes, I mean, you were in class with me, I see a lot of women taking the certification yeah. classes. So I think it would be a good thing if these other organizations come out and said, you know what, the Society of Wine Educators, you know, 70% uh, women have passed this exam or the Wine Scholar Guild, we're 80% women, things of that nature to draw more attention on the good side of but that. I think that that is that actually brings focus to the problem with something like the court of master Psalms is that there are a lot of women in the industry and there are a lot of us who are attaining these higher level certifications but then there's this like big gap between all of us in the industry and then who's getting the MS. The big so yeah. there it's almost like there's this spotlight, huh? Like scratching your head. Like what is the issue that is keeping all of these women who are very smart and are very dedicated to the wine industry and obviously have all of these other certifications, but they're not going for the MS. And why is that? Does the WSET release information like that? I don't know. And they're also English. So I don't know if they do. I'm sure they I'm sure they do, but I, yeah. I have never looked into it. It would have been a time where someone could have really took advantage of the movement and, you know, reached out and, mm. and gave that type of information. But I mean, they may have released that and I just didn't see it. I don't know. Well, I it's just uh, it was just a sad thing. It happened, uh, you know, in 2020 and in 2019. So hopefully this year they'll make some strides to correct mm -hmm. what has been done. And, yeah. and we definitely have to have some guests on the show to talk about the whole process so our listeners can really see what it takes and what they go through. But I'm glad that there's been a reckoning, you know, and that there, or at least there's starting to be a reckoning and that there is 
attention being paid to the problems in these big organizations. Because like you said at the beginning, you know, these are the top certifications and these are the things that make you the like most admired people in our industry. But certainly from a financial standpoint, you have one of these certifications and your employment opportunities, you're never going to have a hard time finding a job (laughs) if you were an MW or an MS. And the opportunities that come with being associated with these organizations and being associated with these certifications are immensely powerful. And having that power is a big part of this as well. So I think that these organizations are realizing that they need to do things differently and they need to be more equitable and that these shenanigans need to stop and that this is, you know, inappropriate. I'm glad that focus is is being given to these. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. For past episodes, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And any questions or comments, please send them to our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine. Next, we want to talk about an article that was in a vine pair talking about why small format wine bottles are trending. And when we're talking about small format, Kim, we're talking here about half size bottles, 375 milliliters, 187 milliliter bottles, basically smaller size than the 750 standard bottle. So either a half bottle or a quarter bottle, and there are different names for them. Sometimes people use the word split to mean anything that is smaller than a 750, although a split is technically a 187 milliliter bottle. So a glass, you know, a single glass of wine. These are very convenient on the one hand, but also kind of hard to find Yeah. (laughs) on the other hand, which can be very, very frustrating if you are looking for these smaller format kinds of bottles. And Kim told me she was excited to talk about this. And I I, I assume that's because you think it is a trend in the wine world. People are buying or seeking out smaller size wine bottles. I have to say I've had a lot of inquiries as to what is bottled in smaller formats, where can people buy them? And with what I'm doing now with doing a lot more virtual wine tastings, when it comes to say something like champagne or Prosecco or other kinds of sparkling wines. If you're doing a virtual wine tasting and you're doing samples for people, it's very, very difficult to (laughs) do that for sparkling wine. Six full bottles. Yeah. So, and and especially notice that the price of things. Yeah. Price and the too much volume, but on the same point as that is that during the whole COVID, you couldn't do a tasting and pour really one bottle. Right. You didn't want to really share that one bottle throughout the room. So it'd be a good idea to just give everybody their own small bottle and mm-hmm. you know stay over there and here's your own bottle type of thing. The article mentioned the reasons it's trending could be based on either people are thinking more healthy. So I'm not, if I open that big bottle, I'm going to drink the whole thing. So, but if I open the small one and drink the whole thing, that's better for me. Right. Or because if they open a big bottle, it will spoil faster than the little bottle. Do you think 
those are valid points or one more than the other? I absolutely think they are valid points. Maybe not so much the health issue. Frankly, I think a lot of it is more to do with kind of the, I don't want to say the social implications, but, you know, we don't have as much ability to socialize with people outside of our own family units. So if you like to drink wine, but your spouse does not, opening a a 750 milliliter bottle where you, you know, suddenly have four glasses of wine in front of you, you don't, you're not going to drink that whole bottle. Maybe you will. <laughs> yeah. Please don't drink that whole bottle all by yourself that one night. But yeah, I think it kind of pr- creates a little bit of a conundrum for people who like to drink wine and like to drink wine with other people and just can't right now. So I think that that is a big part of it. And I know that I personally have found or tried to find smaller format bottles for people in my circle who are looking for wines just to enjoy a glass or two because maybe they don't have a spouse and they're just, you know, it's them and their kids and they don't have anybody to share it with or their spouse does not either like the same kind of wine that they like or they're not wine drinkers. So I can imagine that it's not just my friends and my circle of people who are going through this, but there are a lot of people out there that this is a situation that that they find themselves in. And maybe the convenience of having that little bottle is something that is appealing to people. And I honestly kind of wish that there were more small format bottles out there because they really, you know, they make great gifts. They look look so cute. Putting together a gift basket. I thought you were going to go that way. They look so cute. And they are cute. Yeah. (laughs) No, on the the health thing though, Kim, I was looking, when I read that, I'm saying, you know what? Lately, I have to admit, when I'm trying to get away from opening a whole bottle. So I've uh-huh. been using the Corv, and I think I told mm. you this before, where I just take out a little glass at a time and put it back on the shelf. So I can really see where healthy, conscious people would say, you know what? Let me get the little one. So I only drink the little one. And I hear that a lot on the liquor side more than wine. So wait a minute. So you're coravining your wine so you could just have a glass because- Just to control, yeah. I just don't want to, if I open it, I'll drink it. So I just have a glass and that's it. Right? So, so it's more of like, I a, do see that this, because, is ha- this is a self-control measure for you. Yeah, I, it's been controlling yeah. it, but- I, then I'm thinking, well, maybe they just stay in health because the trend lately has been people healthy. Then again, I think of myself, that was work. That's the way it is for me. So, right. and then on your point where people are saying to you, Kim, I can't find this stuff in stores. Mm-hmm. As a retailer, no one is showing me these products in the smaller size bottles. And I had just last week, I had a person come in with little bottles and she said to me, I'm giving the little ones because I can pass out more little bottles than carrying a big one. I have to open and no one wants to taste, right? Which I, I think that's a good oh, idea. Oh, wow. So she was but sampling I, from the smaller she, ones? No, she actually gave the whole small bottle. Instead no. of instead of going around sampling everybody on one 750 bottle where she was pouring for everybody, mm-hmm. she handed everybody their own little bottles. And I never knew the line was made in half-size bottles. Yeah, so that type of thing, that's why you're not seeing is because people are really not presenting or, or pushing them. Some stores are having a comeback of, you know, the small bottle section. Mm-hmm. And then you have to look at why you might not see them on the other end is that the wineries have to kind of retool the bottling line yeah. to have these smaller format bottles. So a lot of people don't want to spend the money or do that. Whereas you have on the opposite side, a lot of the European people, they're making these huge, huge bottles, right, Kim? They make yeah. and not, not going to the small, but on the small side, you mentioned earlier too, the trend really I see is everybody's looking for the so-called splits, the sparkling wine. 
-hmm. I see that a lot, yeah. but not on any reds or whites or rosés, but more on champagne or Prosecco. Give me a, a small mm -hmm. bottle of that because they don't want to ruin the fizz if they open right. up a big bottle, right? Yeah. And I think that that is where possibly the future of this size format could be is with those bubbly bottles. But I've had requests for all different kinds of wines in smaller format. But I think it is important. And I, I love that you brought up the point of how expensive it is just from a production standpoint to put wines in those smaller format bottles. So I think what customers and what everyday wine drinkers don't know is that when you talk about bottling and we're talking about these smaller formats, you generally see them at both ends of the price spectrum. So you either see them at the really less expensive end, kind of more our like what's it called them? bulk pack. wine but like yeah, that, you know you get to little four, four packs pack. and they're in a plastic yeah. and they you know you got a little screw cap on them and they're not very expensive and those have always been in retail stores and those are easier to come by because that was a very specific business decision that those really really big producers made so they had the they made the investment in the bottling line for those little individual bottles and it's just part of you know naturally part of their production whereas on the other side of things you don't see a lot of middling priced wines in smaller format like you're not going to see the wines that you ordinarily buy for like $15 a bottle in a half bottle or in a quarter size bottle, because it is a lot of expense for that winery to physically bottle their wines in smaller format because they need new machines and they need new production lines and they need just like all of this infrastructure at their winery in order to bottle those things. So you sometimes see them more on the high end. You know, you'll get good champagne in a half bottle. But that half bottle of champagne is going to cost you almost as much as buying a 750 because it is so much more expensive to bottle at the winery all of those wines because it is very, there's a lot of investment that those wineries need. So it is this sort of like funny in-between thing where I think that there is a desire on the part of consumers for having them. But there is this issue with the pricing structure because, yes, you might want to buy that bottle of wine that is ordinarily $20, but if the half bottle is 16 just buy the full yeah, bottle. That's the point I, I wanted to say there. Yeah, too, and I that think that that is a if big... It's a ten, and it, the other way, if it's an inexpensive, like a $10 bottle, but the half size is six, people look at it like, what, why is that? It should right. be should be yeah, half. It should be, but it's not. Price yeah. issues there. So the consumer yeah. kind of shies away from it. So, but, but we, I, like I mean, we see that in kind of everything, right? So, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you buy a big tub, tub of hummus, you know, yeah. <laughs> versus in a little individual pack of hummus, you are paying more ounce for ounce for that little individual one. And wine is really no different. But your point about the gift basket idea, I think is a great point. It, it it's yeah. a great gift basket idea. And also, if you just want to try a new line and you don't want to go all in on that bigger size bottle, buy a half size to just sample it. Yeah. I love the whole sample idea in the half size bottle. I, and I, I do wish there was you know, more out there. Yeah. But I think, you know, the price is an issue. Availability is an issue. Selection is an issue. Displaying um, is an issue. Display. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. There's no mini wine racks. You have to put it on a stand-up shelf. So you, now you're talking a total different place in the store. 
you you know, if it's an expensive wine, you had it on your wine rack. Now the little half bottle is just going to fall right through the rack. So it's <laughs> it's a retailer's nightmare too. You know, another skew on the shelf. It's yeah. So many things involved with that. But I think uh, from a customer perspective, it would really be very nice to have half bottles that maybe weren't three quarters of the price of a full bottle that maybe were, you know, 60% of the price of a full bottle and have more availability, just have more in that format for not just the convenience factor, but all of those, those other things that you said too, you know, maybe people don't want to open a full bottle because they know that they will drink that whole bottle. So, you know, you have a small one. I would love to know how many listeners have ventured into this small format wine bottle world or seen mm. them or just, just a, you know, an idea. Cause I, I don't have people asking for them, you know, so I like it but I just don't see it really trending yet. Thank you for listening today to the wonderful world of wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at the wonderful world of wine. Please feel free to leave us your questions and comments, and we may answer your questions on the air. And don't forget that you can find us every week on WFPR, Public Radio in Franklin, Massachusetts, 102.9. Bye, bye.